Hello, this is Pastor Matthew. I just want to take a moment personally to say thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. Our mission is to impact the valley and bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We encourage you to go check out our website at crosslinkva.com. By doing so, you can learn all about the ministries of Crosslink and how we're involved in the community. Please know we're praying for you. God bless you. I want to ask you if you're able to do so, would you take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 11 for this morning's message and for our time together today. And if you don't have a copy of God's word, the words will be here on the screen in just a moment. This morning, as we open God's word, I want to preach to you on the subject, believe and live, believe and live. It's hard for me to believe in many ways how quickly time is flying to understand that it is now Easter weekend 2021. All week long as we have geared up for this weekend, my mind has been thinking back to one of the most memorable Easter's I've ever experienced, which was just 12 months ago, Easter weekend of 2020. Maybe you will remember at that time all throughout our country, frankly, and throughout the world, we were beginning the beginning stages of what we became aware of, of shutdowns and lockdowns. Gyms were closed, restaurants were closed, social gatherings in Virginia of over 10 people were banned, and it was a, it was a very unique and challenging season. We were beginning to learn new words and phrases like essential workers and social distancing and coronavirus. Here at Crosslink, we were not allowed to meet in person but we were creative and we had the opportunity to instead do a drive-in service at the fairgrounds just behind us. I will never forget that because instead of amens and clapping hands, what I heard from the stage were honking horns and I saw flashing lights. It was really unique. Every time I saw flashing lights, I had a tendency to want to pull over and park for a moment, but I was able to, to persevere and make it through it. Last Easter, instead of shaking hands and knuckle bumps and hugs and high fives, instead we had nice smiling faces behind yard signs that said, welcome, Jesus is risen. And it was such a unique, I knew it was a unique moment when at the end of our drive-in service, one of our dear sisters in Christ, who's a part of this church, she began to make her way towards me. And I could tell she was making her way across the field really fast. And I'll never forget that she stopped about 10 feet from me and gave me an air hug, okay? And I thought, man, we're entering a unique season of life here in our country. This year has been a very interesting year. Frankly, it's been a year of much disease, death, division, and destruction of all sorts. Now, while many of us have gone on with life as normal, as if nothing ever happened and, and our lives have been minimally, minimally impacted, the truth is that majority of us have been impacted in some way. Whether directly or indirectly, I would guess to say that most of us here today know someone in our life who is no longer with us. By death, they have passed away and we can't talk to them today. Many of us know people that we were close to, a, a friend, a relative, maybe a spouse, that in the midst of the, the stress and the strain and even the struggles of sin and the pressures of our culture, frankly, today there's a great distance we're not close like we were just 12 months ago. Others of us have dealt with financial chaos and uncertainty by the, the loss of jobs and the creativity demanded to provide for our family or the loss of retirement income. And, and there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding those things. And it's a season of discouragement and, and distress in all sorts of ways. But I believe what God is wanting us to see loud and clear today is this. Who Jesus is changes the reality 
of who we are today. You don't have to be distressed, discouraged, defeated. You don't have to be in despair today because of who Jesus Christ is. In fact, in John chapter 11, we begin to see a true historical, we know this accurately, we understand a true historical account of how who Jesus is changes who we are today in John chapter 11. In fact, as the scene unfolds, frankly, the scene was very much like our world over the past year. There was disease, there was death, there was despair, there was even frustration and anger and doubt towards God himself. And in the midst of all the chaos, Jesus steps onto the scene to show who he is and how who he is makes all the difference, not only in our lives, but in the world today. Believe and live. I wanna ask if you're physically able, will you stand to your feet for the reading of God's word? We're gonna pick up the story as Jesus tells us the story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. These are three siblings, they're grown adults, and they're living life, they're close friends of Jesus. Every time Jesus was near the village of Bethany, he would stop by and visit with them. He had meals with them, he fellowshiped with them, he cared for them. They assumed they'd always be together. Life would always be grand. And suddenly and unexpectedly, Lazarus got sick. And to everyone's shock, not only did Lazarus get sick, but Lazarus died. He was no longer with them. And even beyond that, the greatest shock of all is this. Jesus didn't show up in time. Where was he? What was he doing? And what difference could he make in their season of despair? Look with me beginning in verse 21. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. I know what's gonna happen in the future, but Jesus said to her, listen to these verses, verses 25 and 26. They're the focus of the message today. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the son of God, even he who comes into the world. Let's pray together. Father, right now, would you open our hearts and minds to understand the truth of who Jesus is and may that truth radically change us today. We'll give you the glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you. you may be seated this morning. Believe and live. You can understand the scene as Jesus shows up. Lazarus has now not only died, but he's been dead for four days. They've already had this time of burial. They're already in this week-long period of mourning. And Jesus shows up right in the middle of this time of mourning into this situation of despair and hopelessness. And in the midst of it all, Jesus comes with incredible words of encouragement. As soon as he gets there, he finds Martha. Martha rushes out to meet him. And Martha, when you read scripture, we understand Martha was a worker. She was a doer. Martha was, was that person in your life that frankly, they won't say it, but they like to be in control. 
Anybody, you know, like that? I mean, they like to know what's going on. They got the plan. They got the list. They make sure everybody's doing their part. And Martha shows up and she looks at Jesus and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus, if you would have just gotten here in time, this wouldn't have happened. In other words, in this moment, Martha's in this place where she's understanding she could not prevent her brother from getting sick. She couldn't prevent him from dying. She couldn't control what Jesus was doing. And so she's coming in fear and she's coming in frustration. And you hear the struggle even of her faith. Lord, if you would have done this, he'd still be living. Here in this moment, Martha, frankly, is so focused on the past that she's missing who is standing right in front of her. She's so focused on the fact that Lazarus has dead, that Jesus has gotten here too late, and that nothing can be done, that she misunderstands who is right in front of her. Jesus gives her this word of encouragement. Martha, your brother will rise again. And Martha responds in a very normal and practical way for someone who knows what the Bible teaches. She says, Jesus, I know my brother will rise again on the last day. I know the time's gonna come when his body's gonna be raised out of the grave. I know one day I'm gonna be with him in heaven is basically what she's saying. Martha had a good understanding of the Bible. Did you know today, many people say, oh, well, person dies, they're buried, they put them so many feet under the ground, and that's just it, that's all there is to it. But the Bible says there's coming a day in the end when those bodies are gonna come out of that grave. The Old Testament says it this way in Daniel chapter 12, at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book will be rescued. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground, they will awake these to everlasting life. But the others, those who did not believe in Jesus and follow God, the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Jesus said it this way in John chapter five, do not marvel at this for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and they will come forth. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life and those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. In other words, those who have followed God and accepted his son, Jesus Christ as Lord and savior, there's coming a day when their bodies will come out of the grave and their bodies will be made new and they will experience the joy and the fullness of eternal life. But those who have rejected Jesus, those who have died having separated from Jesus, they will experience eternal judgment separated from God. Martha says, listen, Jesus, I know my brother is a believer. I know he walked by faith. I'm gonna see him again in heaven one day. But again, even her focus on this glimmer of hope of the future caused her to miss who was standing in front of her in the present. The past pains, the questions, God, why did you allow this? That we miss who Jesus is in the present. There are some of us even today looking for a glimmer of hope, trying to find some rainbow at the end of the dark cloud. And we're kind of cleaning of that. And what we're missing in the process of that is who Jesus is in the present. I want you to see this morning loud and clear who Jesus is and the difference that makes to our life today. Three things I want you to see from the text. If you're ready, would you say, all right. Number one, I want you to see what Jesus professed what Jesus professed. And that is to say, I want you to see what Jesus claimed. People can make all kinds of claims in their life and we see Jesus making a claim, frankly, that is astounding. In fact, when Jesus makes this statement, it would have been so radical that everyone would have taken note of it. Here's the claim, verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life. 
twofold claim. Number one, he says, I am, that is to say I, singular, no other, I am above all others, I am. This is him saying, I am God in flesh, I am here. Martha, quit being focused on the past, quit trying to hold on to hope for the future, I am here with you now to demonstrate who I am. I am, Jesus says, first, the resurrection. Jesus' first profession is this, Jesus is the resurrection. The word resurrection literally means the act of raising or being raised from the dead. The act of raising or being raised from the dead. We understand that. We are celebrating Easter today because we're celebrating the resurrection of Christ. We can say it so easily about really pausing to consider what it means. It's raising the dead to life. Humanly speaking, this is impossible. Impossible. I remember being a child learning this for the very first time. I must have been, I don't know, eight or nine years old. And I remember getting my first dog, my first puppy. And because of the color of its, its fur, we, we named it Smokey. And I remember being excited. I loved this dog and I took care of this dog and fed this dog and played with this dog. And I will never forget still to this day, the day I came home and didn't see Smokey. So I went looking through the yard. We had a big field at that time. And finally I found him and he had died. Y'all aren't as affectionate as the early crowd because the early crowd said, oh, oh, you know, he had died. And I remember taking Smokey and I remember petting him and I remember talking to him and I remember being so desperate as a child. Like I remember trying to blow into his face, like, just hoping he'd come to life and he wouldn't do it. I remember going to my dad and saying, dad, he, he's not breathing, he's not living. And my dad said, son, there's nothing else we can do. Why? Because we don't have the power to raise from the dead. But Jesus comes and says, I am the resurrection. See, see, Martha in this moment was bent out of shape over the past. Her brother was dead. There's nothing she could do to change the situation. She's trying to cling to some glimmer of hope in the future. But what she missed in that moment is that he who has the source, he who has the power to raise the dead to life was the one right there in front of her in that moment. It's like Jesus is looking at Martha and he is saying loud and clear, stepping into the situation saying, Martha, it's not just about the future, it's about the present. The resurrection isn't merely about a future event, a hope so, maybe so, one day into the rainbow. It's about a present, it's about a person and his name is Jesus. In other words, this morning, you don't have to wait until heaven to have joy and peace in your heart. You can have joy and peace and even heaven in your heart by believing in who Jesus is today because he is the resurrection. Not only is he the resurrection, Jesus has a second profession. Jesus is the life. Not a life, not one of many lives. He is the life. I am the resurrection and I am the light. He is showing Martha that neither time nor death is an obstacle to him because he is the source of life. Jesus first is the source of physical life. You may not have realized it. You may think, oh, well, I lived today because, you know, my, there was my mama and there was my daddy and I was conceived and here I am. But the Bible says you are here today you exist today, you are alive and well today, your heart is beating today, your, your brain is functioning as it should, you are processing information by one person and one person only, by the power of Jesus. Acts chapter 17 says it this way in verse 28. In him we live and move and exist. That heart beating right at this moment is not a guarantee. That brain processing information at this moment is not a guarantee. 
The fact of the matter is, none of us know when we're gonna breathe our last breath. None of us know when that heart's gonna beat for the last time. Nobody knows when their mind's gonna be clear for the last moment, but it's taking place in this moment because God has given you life and he's given you life so that you might hear his word, so that you might believe in Jesus, that you might know him and experience the second process of life. And that is this, not only is Jesus the source of physical life, he's the source of eternal life. God gives us these moments like today, to hear his word, to hear the gospel, to hear who Jesus is so that we might embrace and accept the gift of eternal life. In other words, the gift of eternal life is just that. It is a gift and it is not automatic. Somebody say, well, I've always been saved. I grew up in the church and my daddy was a deacon and my grandfather was a preacher and and I do good to my neighbor and I do all these different wonderful things and I, I even go to church and all this different stuff, but I'm telling you, The only way you have eternal life is through Jesus Christ. Your church service attendance, your good works, you're helping your fellow man, God bless you and that's wonderful, but that does not save your soul. The Bible says that Jesus is the source of eternal life. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God, every single one of us. As, as much as I might try to honor God, the fact is we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible says without Jesus in Ephesians chapter two, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. First John 5 says it this way. The testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has this life, but he who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. It doesn't get any clearer than that. He who has Jesus has eternal life, and he who does not have Jesus does not have eternal life. So here's the question. Do you have Jesus? Well, I'll go to church. Who cares? Do you have Jesus? Well, my grandfather's a preacher. Who cares? Do you have Jesus? Well, I'm a good neighbor and does not mean anything in eternity. The question is, do you have Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life? Jesus is showing Martha that she has to let go of her past, stop putting off until the future and trust him in the present because he's the resurrection and the life. What he professed, secondly, what Jesus has proved. And we can make all kinds of professions today, but if it's true, it will be proven. I could profess today that I'm the strongest man in the building. And I could put on a challenge today. I tell you what, guys, we're gonna line up one by one and we're gonna have an arm wrestling match and I'm gonna show you that I'm the strongest man in the building. And I could ask for a volunteer and Buddy Ferris right here in the front could raise his hand and say, Pastor, I'll take you on. Brother Buddy, I don't think it'd take but about five seconds to prove I am not the strongest man in this building, brother. I can profess all I want to, but talk is cheap, folks. What's the evidence say? In this moment, Jesus says, I am the resurrection of life. But here's the wonderful truth. He didn't just profess it. He absolutely, adamantly, loud and clear proved it. How do we see that? We see that here in the illustration of what takes place. Now, if someone's gonna claim to be the resurrection and the life, then surely they're gonna be able to raise the dead to life, Right? Well, did you know prior to John chapter 11, on two different occasions in the gospels, Jesus has already raised people from the dead? And his critics and his skeptics would say, oh, but they they weren't dead very long. Maybe they were swooning. Like maybe they had passed out and were sleeping or something. So ah, we don't know about them. But in the case of Lazarus, Jesus gives us an absolutely unquestionable evidence that he has the power to raise 
the dead to life. Now, all those other accounts, they were true. People just try to deny them because they want to dismiss who Jesus is. But in John chapter 11, Jesus shows up on the scene and Lazarus has been dead for four days. I mean, Martha even looks at him and says, Jesus, don't, don't, don't roll that stone away. Don't do that. Don't you know by now he stinks? The King James is very poetic. By now he stinketh, you know, like. In other words, He's so dead, his body's decaying. Jesus, what are you doing? This is gonna be disgusting. This is not gonna be good. This is not, no, he's dead, 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 dead. And everybody knew it. His death was public. People from all over the village gathered together to grieve his death. But notice what Jesus does. Look at verse 38. Jesus, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. It was a cave. A stone was lying against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there's gonna be a stench for he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice. Listen to these three words. Here's all Jesus had to say. Lazarus, come forth. This is like me looking at my child in the room next door. Son, come here. Daughter, come here. Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, get up. Lazarus, wake up. Lazarus, be risen. And notice what happens. And the man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Lazarus has been dead for four days. Everybody knows it. And at three simple words, Lazarus come forth because Jesus is the resurrection of life. Simply through the words, there's the power to life. And immediately, Lazarus was arisen from the grave. Lazarus gets up, he's bound in the grave clothes. And Jesus literally says, unbind him, loose him and let him go because he was dead and now he's alive. He was in darkness, but now he sees the light. He's literally risen from the grave. So amazing was this miracle that no one left unaffected or unchanged. So amazing was this miracle. Notice the very next verse, verse 45. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he had done believed in him. They'd never seen anyone with this kind of power, this kind of authority to raise the dead to life. Many believed in him, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. They were more concerned about protecting their religion than they were actually having a relationship with God. See, what they didn't realize is they thought they were comfortable because they had religious works but they knew nothing about repenting of sin and having a relationship with God. Verse 47. Therefore the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council and were saying, what are we doing? For this man is performing many signs. Verse 48, I love this verse. Listen to this. If we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him. If we let people see these types of miracles that he can heal the sick and he can heal the lame and he can heal the blind and raise the dead to life, if we let him keep on going like this, everybody's gonna believe in him. The Romans are gonna come and take away both our place and our nation. They were more concerned about their political standing than they were their standing before God. 
I know that would never happen today, right? Verse 53. So from that day on, they planned together to kill him, to kill him, Jesus. Picture the scene. This is crazy. Hey, we can't deny this miracle. Everybody knows that Lazarus is dead. Everybody knew he was put into a tomb. I mean, the guy still stinks. He hadn't even bathed yet. Everybody knows he was dead and Jesus raised him again from the grave. We can't let this guy go on like this. We can't let another dead person come to life. We can't let anything else happen like that's a miracle like this. Everybody's gonna, so here's what we're gonna do. We can't deny it, so we're gonna kill him. We're gonna destroy him and when we destroy him, that'll be the end of it. That's all there'll be. And eventually this whole mess and nonsense about Jesus, it's gonna go away. That's what they thought. But can I say to you today that the greatest proof of who Jesus is is not merely the fact that he raised Lazarus from the dead, but it's what happened next. In fact, amazingly, if these Pharisees would have just taken time to really consider what Jesus had already told them, they would have already known the outcome. You know why? Because it didn't matter what they did to Jesus. It didn't matter what hell itself brought against Jesus. Nothing could change who Jesus is. Hello, who are they trying to kill? The resurrection and the life. So they come against Jesus. John chapter two, Jesus had already told them loud and clear this wonderful statement. Jesus had said to them, as they questioned him, this same group of Pharisees questioned Jesus in John chapter two, and they asked, Jesus, what sign do you show us as your authority for doing all these things, these miracles, these wonders, these signs that you're doing? And Jesus answered them, here's the sign. Destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. They were so blinded by their religious works that they looked at their beautiful temple of a building and they said, ha, 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 that's ridiculous. It took our fathers 46 years to build this temple that we are worshiping like an idol. They didn't say that, that's my paraphrase. And you think you're gonna rebuild this temple in three years? That's nonsense, nobody can do that, Jesus. John chapter two tells us something interesting. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. In other words, Jesus had already told these same Pharisees, if you tear down this temple and three days later, I'm gonna build it back up again. This same group of Pharisees were there in the crowd when Jesus was standing before them and they were crying, crucify him and crucify him and crucify him. And they crucified him. They beat him. They plucked his beard. He carried his own cross. He went to the cross. He died on the cross for the sins of the world for yours and for mine. They took down his body. They put him into a borrowed tomb. But on the third day, on that resurrection Sunday, the first day of the week, Jesus rose again from the grave. Why? How? Because he is the resurrection and the life. Someone say, oh, well, maybe it was a hallucination. Maybe it was just a figment of people's imagination. Jesus appeared to people individually and in small group settings and in large group settings over a 40-day period, at one point appearing to over 500 eyewitnesses at one time. There is more historical and factual eyewitness evidence of the resurrection of Christ than there are eyewitness accounts that you are sitting in this building right now. 
Go read the gospel accounts of Matthew 28 and Mark 16, Luke 24, John 20 and 21, Acts chapter one. Go read the first century historian Josephus and you'll find actual factual evidence that Jesus lived, Jesus died, he was buried, and three days later, the tomb was empty, he had risen again from the grave. That's why over those 40 day period, he walked with people, he talked with people, shared with people, ate bread, made breakfast, hung out, gave instructions. How can a dead man do such? A dead man can't, but a man who's alive can. Jesus professed, I am the resurrection and the life, and he proved it by on the third day, raising again from the grave. Why does this matter? It matters for this reason. It proves that he is who he says he is. Because who Jesus is makes all the difference in our life today and ultimately in our eternity. That's why Jesus alone has the authority to say in John 14, verse six, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Third thing I want you to see, if you're still with me, would you say, I am? I want you to see what Jesus promises. What he professed, I'm the resurrection and the life. What he proved, that he is who he says he is. But who he is declares for us today an incredible promise. If you haven't heard anything I've said today, I wanna encourage you to listen up right now. If the person beside you is falling asleep, give them a holy elbow, okay? Make sure they're listening. There are two promises that God gives through Jesus in verses 25 and 26 that I don't want us to miss. What Jesus promises. Maybe you're wondering today, what's the big deal? I mean, this happened over 2,000 years ago. How does this impact me today? Well, I'm glad you asked because again, who Jesus is has the power to change who we are today and ultimately where we will spend eternity. Jesus says in verse 25 and 26, he uses a word that causes us a little bit of confusion. But let me explain it and explain what it means. The Bible says that Jesus promises this. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. What does this mean? What does it mean if I believe in him, I will live even if I die? And then he turns around and says, but if I believe in him, I will never die. Wait a second. I've known lots of people who were Christians who actually died. Like I've known preachers and evangelists and missionaries that loved God and served him and, and they died. They're not still living today. And so what does this mean? Let me explain it for just a moment. The Bible actually speaks, whether you've ever heard this before or not, of two deaths. There's a first death physically and a second death spiritually. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says by believing in Christ, you receive the gift of eternal life. And therefore, for the believer, you don't have to be afraid of the first death. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, inasmuch as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this is the judgment. Now, I realize today that none of us like to talk about death. On the heels of a pandemic, Nobody wants to talk about death. Nobody wants to talk about when they're gonna have their last day and are they gonna have their affairs in order. Nobody wants to think about that moment. We, we like to laugh and be joyful and celebrating and wonderful. We don't wanna think about death, but the Bible says, unless Jesus comes back in our lifetime, please understand, we're all going to experience death. 
Now, I hope to live to be 100, to see my grandkids and great-grandkids and great-great-grand. I hope to have that opportunity. But the bottom line is this could be the very last message I ever preach. I don't know when my time will come. Here's the truth. You don't know when your time will come. You don't know. Like some of the family members here in our church this past week who very unexpectedly weren't, expect, weren't, weren't anticipating, weren't expecting the phone call, but they got the call. A loved one had suddenly passed away. You don't know if today's your last day. You don't know how long that heart's gonna be. You don't know how long that brain's gonna be functioning the way that it is. And so what God is calling us to recognize is there is a first death that apart from the coming of Christ, we will every single one of us experience it. So having said that, God gives us an opportunity while we are living, while we are moving, while we are breathing, while we have this physical life, he gives us an opportunity by grace to receive Jesus so that we have eternal life. Because for the believer, the Bible says when that death comes, when I breathe my last breath, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To live is Christ and to die is gain. If you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, please understand when I breathe my last breath, please don't grieve for me because my next step is gonna be a promotion in heaven. You might grieve and weep because some of you miss me, some of you are gonna celebrate. But the bottom line is this, I'm gonna be celebrating, not because I'm good, not because I deserve it, but because Jesus Christ, by his grace and mercy, saved me when I called upon him. The believer in Jesus has the gift of eternal life and therefore no need to fear the first death because we have eternal life. But there is a second death. Many people are afraid of the first death. But it is nothing like the second death. Remember Romans 3.23, all of sin and come short of the glory of God. Three chapters later, Romans 6.23 says it this way. For the wages of sin is death. And that death is not talking necessarily just about a physical death. It's talking about a spiritual death where we spend all of eternity separated from God. The wages of sin is death, separation from God. But the gift death. This is for salvation through Jesus Christ. They've not been forgiven of their sins. Listen to this. Romans, uh, Revelations 20, verses 14 and 15. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the what? Second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, he was cast into the lake of fire. I'm telling you, friend, here today, you may not like this message, and it may not be popular, but if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you die in that state of having rejected Christ, you will not only experience the first death, you will experience the second death, separated from God for all eternity. For those who believe in Jesus, you have no reason to fear the second death because you will never have to experience the terror that it is. In other words, John eleven twenty six, 26, the promise of Jesus could be summarized in this way. He who believes in Jesus will live spiritually even when he dies physically. And everyone who lives and believes in him will never experience the second death, which is hell. Let me close with this simple statement. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. That's his claim. Jesus proved it, not only by raising Lazarus, but himself raising again from the grave. And he could have stopped right there. This is who I am. This is the evidence. And he could have walked off the scene. 
but he didn't. Jesus looked right at Martha. I get, I get the impression he looked her right in the eyes and he asked her the most important question she would ever be asked. And frankly, it's the question I wanna ask you right now. There is no more important question than the question that Jesus asked Martha when he looked at her and asked her right in the eyes. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And he who believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? In other words, Jesus' promise was a personal invitation that demanded a personal response. Sister, oh, but, but Jesus, what about Lazarus over here? He's dead. In that moment, Martha couldn't say, well, well, well Jesus, you know, like I'm a good girl, you know, like I serve you, I've served you food before and I try to help my neighbor. Jesus, you know, I know the Old Testament scriptures and you know, I, I go to the temple sometimes to worship and no, 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 time out. That doesn't matter. Here's the question. Do you believe this? Martha's personal response was this. Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, which is, means the Savior, the Son of God. You could be the nicest person the world has ever seen. You could be the wealthiest person the world could ever know. You could come from the greatest religious heritage that anybody's ever talked about before. But I'm telling you, unless you personally have believed in Jesus Christ to be your Savior, the Son of God and Savior of your life, I want you to know, apart from receiving Jesus, you do not have eternal life. But you can today. You know why? Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And he has promised you and me that we can be saved, we can have the gift of eternal life if we believe. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm gonna pray for us and after I do, I'm gonna close us here in the worship center. Pastor Michael's gonna close your time in the Community Life Center. Father, I thank you for this morning and this time together. Would you speak to our hearts right now as we have a time of examination and a time of commitment to you? I pray, God, that we would seriously consider the message that we've heard and that promise that if we believe, we will live. I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. We encourage you to come and join us right here on our campus. We're located right next to the county fairgrounds here in Harrisonburg, Virginia. If you have any questions about the church, any question about the message, feel free to email us or call us and let us know. And we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.